0: This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network.
1: From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between.
0: This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Groves, and I am joined by the returning Mr. Greg Misman. Hello, Greg.
1: Hey, how's it going? I'm back. He's back, and he's,
2: he means business. Um, we are without a uh, third member of our motley crew, Mr. John Javicki, this week. He is still away attending to his latest arrival. So congratulations to him and his wife on the arrival of their daughter. Um, we hope that everything is continuing to go well. And we are also hoping that John specifically remains sleep deprived. Um, yeah, we
1: don't need any sleep. No, he
2: doesn't sleeps for the week. No. So yeah, we look Not forward to welcoming back as soon as he, uh, is able to, and he can talk to us about how tired he is. Um, Greg, you were meant to be joining us straight off the plane uh, last week, but it didn't quite work. Uh you were yeah. at Laguna Seca <laughs> with Core Motorsport during the IMSA Michelin pilot series race. Um, how was Laguna? Uh
1: Laguna was amazing. It was it was really awesome. Uh got to get to see some some cool stuff I haven't seen before this year. Uh the specifically the Super Trofeo series was really awesome. Uh I ended up staying an extra So usually I I leave pretty much as soon as our Michelin Pilot Challenge race is over. I I don't stick around for the IMSA race or for the the WeatherTech race. But uh, being Laguna Seca and a bucket list track, I was going to be damned if I go to Laguna Seca on an IMSA weekend and not watch an IMSA race. (laughs) Right. So I ended up staying for Sunday and not leaving out till Monday morning. Uh, Got to stay... Uh, was, we just pretty much just sat in the parking lot uh, just in the bed of the truck watching the race next to the fence right uh, at turn six so it, it's kind of a, 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 ambiguous as to what turn number it was because mm-hmm. in some maps it's six some it's seven some it's five but yeah before you get, make the run to compression to go up the hill right so we're, we're kind of sitting there uh, and it was awesome Finally, getting to like put eyes on the cars while they're running. The GTP specifically was just phenomenal. <laughs> they're just so loud, so loud.
2: And and you were treated to a hell of a race. We we won't we won't go into the the IMSA race because we covered that last week. But just like that that race was amazing. The whole multi class um, pile up, as we described it from last week, and. You also got to see the uh, MX-5 fog race, <laughs> which was wild.
1: That was wild. I got, I have some videos, uh, or have a video of the start of the race coming through the corkscrew in the fog. I showed it to you a little bit ago, uh, where one of the cars has a little spin in the middle of the corkscrew before he takes off again, and it was it, I was so surprised to see them running mm. the the cars in the fog at that time. In fact, so. When we first got to the track, the fog was super thick. If you've ever been to Laguna Seca to get into the track, you kind of come over the top of this hill. And then it's like a steep, you know, downhill thing. But as as soon as you come over to go on the downhill, you can look out to your left and see the entire track. Uh, On Thursday morning, couldn't see the edge of the road, right? (laughs) Where there was the lookout. And it was it was insane. So we're, we're like, all right, everything's getting pushed back. Let's go find something to eat. So we go to one of the food trucks and I'm sitting there waiting for our food. And all of a sudden you hear cars hitting the track. Just that unmistakable Cadillac, you know, burr go by. And so we're like, what the fuck? And so you see a bunch of people run to the fence. To go check it out. And we look over at one of the screens and the prototypes because they sit so low looked like they were driving under the fog. It's kind of crazy. Uh but yeah, I, that that weather delay was insane. Yeah. I, just I, absolutely insane. Just I
2: i never expected them like seeing the pictures of the fog and then they were like, okay, warm-up's happening. I'm like, what? Yep. Yeah. And then the MX5 went out and I'm like, what? It's, uh, yeah. Mental. Mental. I I can only imagine what it was like in person. Um not the best race for core. Um, obviously there was the mechanical failure, uh, during the opening stages of the race. Yeah. Um, yeah, just hard luck again.
1: Yeah. So we, I think we made it something like 40 minutes or so into the race. And you guys were in the top 10 and quite subtly. I think you, uh, I think you were eighth at the time. Of the yeah. Program? Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere on seventh or eighth, uh, we we started on in fifth, mm. you know, which is what I mean, granted, we didn't really get to qualify in Sebring, we because of uh, too many red flags. That's what it was. But mm. too many red flags during the uh, qualifying session, in Sebring. So we didn't really get to qualify there. Didn't really see what the car was made of. But in Daytona, we qualified second. Just had a little, you know, mix up, and so it was after, you know, having a weekend of. Just trying to to get everything figured out with having, you know, we had like half the people there in Laguna Seca than we normally do. So we get trying to get all that figured out, and then to qualify as high as we did, it was uh, it was pretty awesome to see. But yeah, unfortunately, mechanical failure like forty minutes in. Uh, they were gonna try to get the car fixed and back on track in like thirty minutes, but I guess they got. Uh, to the paddock area, got the car taken apart and saw how extensive the failure was, and then they decided to call it quits. But it is what it is, you know. That's uh, that's how the cookie crumbles when you go racing. I guess
2: mm. she's quick so, when she runs, though, so that's
1: good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm, you
2: guys I'm, can get some good luck and 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 you know the the car is able to not lunch itself in any way, I I reckon easily really good finishes. So it's just could be Plugging right away it.
1: having an uncore like season to mm. be honest and uh it's just been if it wasn't for bad luck we just wouldn't have any at all mm. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of how I feel throughout the season I haven't been there hasn't been too much that we can say that we've done mm. to to make the season go like this yeah, you it's
2: know, not like that. It, it's not like you it's mistakes that have made these failures yeah. happen. It's just failures yeah, that it's happen.
1: Just, yeah. And so uh you know, it, it should be a fun season though. Mm. We have we have Detroit next. It's in like uh so I'm not not this weekend, but next weekend mm. we'll be in Detroit for the uh IndyCar weekend.
2: That'll be so, interesting. First time on the new layout.
1: Yeah. Right in yeah, the middle uh, of the city
2: instead of on the mm- island.
1: Yep, I've I've looked at the map of the track and it looks decent, I guess. You it, know, it looks like I've a seen... boring
2: layout, but it should be okay for racing because, like, it yeah. should keep everyone together.
1: It's better than what was it, Chicago? Oh yeah, Chicago. It was just like two blocks, yeah, diagonal from each other, made and into one track. And one
2: kind of curvy curve. Yeah, that's it. Right.
1: Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it looks better than that for sure. Mm. So it should be up. Should be a good weekend, but, uh, after that is Watkins Glen and I'm sure we'll be strong there, right? The car's got legs. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be pretty strong there and, and, and it's going to be a, uh, an ITA network party. Yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably stay an extra day there too. Do it. Uh, yeah. I got to figure out a 10 situation or something for, for like Saturday night, possibly Sunday night, depending on when people are leaving. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hit Tyler up this week. That's what I'm going to do. Get, Good, get yeah. Watkins Blend figured out because that ought to be a blast.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah, I should I should have been going to that this year, but I think I'm going next year instead to Watkins. So, oh, dope. Um, but uh, our, our super sub JD is going, so you'll have to see if you can um, meet up with him at some time and have a partial ITP party as well. There you go. <laughs> so uh yeah so two weeks until detroit and yeah well i'm looking forward to seeing what um what the experience is like in downtown um for the first time instead of bell isle i do kind of wish they were still at
1: bell isle i lied i, I do too track, but i do too and and to be honest because it's in downtown detroit i hope my weekend is completely uneventful <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, you God, know, very I,
1: <laughs> I, I hope it's just one of those weekends where you just, you wake up, you go to the track, you do the thing, you come home, you go to bed, you wake up, go to the track, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go out to a bar and then, no. you know, <laughs> no. or anything like that. No, no, nah, nah, we're just, we're just going to track hotel, track hotel, airport home.
2: Yeah. D- don't venture anywhere else. <laughs> nope. Probably not wise. Um, so we'll move on now to, uh, the roundup of this past week's, uh, racing action. And we start off very briefly, uh, and you'll see why talking about formula one. Um, this weekend was meant to be the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. However,
1: on Wednesday, last, wait, week, you didn't say the whole name.
2: That's because it's 10 million years fucking long. I'll, uh, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll get the full name up because my God, it's just ridiculous.
1: Um, it has a name. It Use has the name.
2: A name. Uh, the Formula One. Uh, fuck me. The Formula you One got it. Qatar Airways Gran premio del Made in Italy del Emilio Romagna 2023.
1: See, was that so hard?
2: Yes, it's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that race, which I'm not repeating... Um, on Wednesday last week, it was called off due to, so over the last few weeks, there has been severe, uh, rain and flooding in the Emilia Romagna region. Um, and you know, we, we were heading into race week thinking, you know, there's a red weather alert in, in Italy. Is this really going to be safe? Even if the race does go ahead, are the cars even going to be able to circulate? And then, um, Tuesday, the circuit was evacuated during prep. Formula One personnel were told to stay away from the track during the flooding because the nearby Santerno River, which lines the Imola track, was at dangerously high levels and ultimately ended up bursting its banks. Um, and then Wednesday morning, yeah, the t- uh, meetings took place between the FIA, uh, Ita- the Italian government, local authorities, and eventually they decided that the race couldn't couldn't proceed. A because you know the area is flooded really badly like not just the track but yeah the nearby town of Imola and faenza where the alpha tari factory is oh everything was under massively flooded and then what's more i
1: I was about to say i think even if the track was on top of a hill and untouched i don't think that they would in good conscience still hold that race well that's the
2: thing yeah the, the other reason was that you know the whole region is so so bad and you know, like there have been multiple people that have been killed there's lo- like loads and loads of uh, like hundreds of thousands of people that have been displaced um taking away emergency uh, personnel like um uh, security and fire and and medical people to attend the grand prix and for the grand prix to function to take them away from people from helping people who have been hit by the flooding it's just yeah. kind of immoral in that sense so so formula I one mean- made the exact right call yeah. in in cancelling the race and i was more just impressed that they'd made it so early because uh, we've been so used to formula 1 taking ages to make decisions where when it, when it comes to everything from like race penalties to like when when covid was hitting in australia in 2020 and they took ages right up until friday practice to finally decide to call off the race for them to actually make the right decision in a responsible amount of time to stop people coming into the region and putting further pressure on everyone It's just a a really good call uh, from Formula
1: One, which makes it it is a good call. It is a good call, but let's not give Formula One too much credit. Oh no, no, one good call. Yeah. That probably wasn't even based on morality.
2: And it was probably more thought their hand was forced by local government because we know there was yeah, a drop absolutely. opposition from them for the race <laughs> happening. But, but like, you know, I, I give Formula One a lot of shit, so I think it's only fair that when they do something right, that I at least mention uh, it.
1: I'll, I'll give them a pat <laughs> on the back for this one. I'll give them mm. a pat on the back for this one. But they're definitely not, uh, you know, batting a thousand no. on making morality calls. The, the, the
2: ratio is still heavily outnumbered in favor of um, them being dicks um yeah but the, the other thing they did they also have made a 1 million euro donation to the Emilia romania region to help with the relief effort um ferrari have also donated a million euros all food and water from the paddock club uh, team circuit and f1 hospitality was donated to a group organizing food banks and we know how good the red bull catering is so that's really generous donations yeah, that might as well be a four hundred million dollar deal, right? Yeah, there. I mean, clearly, I mean, that, that's that's what pushed them over the budget cap, so it's got to be good, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So no, no. Joking aside, uh, like. I know there were some people who like specifically on Sunday and over the weekend when the track was dry and it wasn't raining were like, "Oh, Formula One should have been racing. It's dry and it's not raining. Shut the fuck up!" It's not because the track. It's not. It was never because it of the is, rain. It was because that, of the surrounding area was far. that guy's house is on a hill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. It's I just, mean, that's not the reason it was canceled. It, it was canceled as, as, to reduce strain on the area. So As somebody who's
1: lost their house in a flood before. Mm. Uh, let me tell you, you're not doing much, uh, extracurricular activities that week to begin with. No, you know, you're pretty preoccupied with some other shit.
2: (laughs) So, um, yeah, mercifully, it's not long until the next formula one race. Um, at at the moment we don't know, it doesn't look like the race is going to get rescheduled for this year. Uh, mainly because formula one have flooded that's that's the wrong analogy. Um, have have put so many um, races on the calendar. <laughs> that was really unfortunate word. That it completely was unintentional. Wow. No, uh, you
1: did that on purpose. Shut up! <laughs> <They've>, you probably <laughs> wrote that down before we did the show. <laughs>
2: this show is completely unscripted. Um, yeah, they, they Formula One have got so many races on the calendar now that there's not really anywhere that they can properly slot the race in. So that there are talks that, that instead they will just add this race to the end of. Imola's current contract, so they're, they're meant to host races in 24 and 25. So this race will effect- effectively be rescheduled to 2026, just so that the agreement still stands.
1: And you know that'll
2: work. Yeah,
1: I like the track. I like watching racing. Though. Oh, Imola's
2: amazing. I, yeah. I was really looking forward to seeing how Formula One made a great track boring again. So. Um, Oof. But I I love love (laughs) Imola. And obviously, there was a lot of intrigue into this weekend with uh, a lot of teams bringing upgrades, notably Mercedes. So um, I I doubt that will happen with this weekend's race in Monaco because Monaco is such an outlier. Why why would you introduce upgrades there? All you're going to do is slam those upgrades on a wall at some point. So I guess we'll have to wait until Spain, which is the race afterwards. But yeah, Monaco this weekend instead. Um, uh, It's probably going to be shit,
1: but... You got any? You got any podium predictions for Monaco?
2: At the start of the season, I said that Alonso was going to win Monaco. Um, you did, yeah. So I, I, I'll stick to it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't know. I, I'm going to go Alonso Perez for Stappen.
1: I was. I'm thinking Perez for Alonso.
2: There you go. What are your predictions for Monaco? Let us know at um, Into, that's the number two, The Paddock on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, give us your bold predictions. Um, how many overtakes are there going to be? <laughs> Single digits? Um, ooh, Single digits.
1: A digit, one.
2: <laughs> one overtake, can you
1: imagine? <laughs> one overtake. Oh, and it's probably oh, not to on one. It's probably going to be team orders. <laughs> from... Man, I Do you think do you think that they would do like a, a Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari situation if Max is in second place? Do you think they'll pit Sergio first?
2: I, I don't know. I don't think at, at this point I think they're still content like they're so far ahead of everyone else that they can afford to let them battle. Um so but then it's Red Bull, so who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are you, is there is there any chance Red Bull allows Checo to win a championship? I
2: think I think we've had this discussion, and and I don't know. I, I think it, it massively depends on how much on on how much of a lead Perez is able to build up at some point if he's able to get back to the lead. Um, yeah. If if he gets to a point where Perez is X amount of points ahead, then they 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 can't manufacture it from that point, but. Max is ahead. I think my Azerbaijan was an outlier. Miami showed a lot more of what Max is capable of and how much of an advantage he has over Sergio. So I I mean, I, I I don't think they even need to try and to worry about Checo winning the championship because unless Max has 12 million engine failures in the next 10 races, he's got it covered. So yeah. That's a rosy outlook on things, I guess. I
1: I mean, I would love to see Checo win a championship, but I would also, more than that, I think I would love to see Fernando Alonso come in and put a wrench in Red Bull's plans, but I don't think it's going to be possible.
2: I don't know. I think think it's more likely... Honestly, I think Verstappen's got such an advantage over Perez. It's more likely that Aston Martin managed to develop their car more over the rest of the season. Obviously, with Red Bull having to take their cost cap penalty at some point and their wind tunnel uh, penalty. Um, it, I think it's, it's more likely that Aston Martin gets more competitive and start challenging them toward the second half of the season than it is for Checo to beat Max. So That's I, I hope that happens, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Monaco next week on the um, on what's going to be a packed episode, because it's motorsport Christmas next week with um, all of the yeah, big races got, happening.
1: We got Monaco, we got Indy, we got the... Uh, Coke 600. The Coke 600, yep. Oh, it's going to be great. But the second <laughs> what part... Else is, what else is happening next week? There's something else happening next weekend also, isn't
2: there? Uh, that, well, those are the three main ones that, that we were going to talk about. I don't right. think there's anything at that level otherwise, but... But yeah, it's going to be great. Um, Second one on that list was the Indianapolis 500, and we should now move on to talk about qualifying for it because that happened this past weekend. Um, I'm not exaggerating when I say I've never seen a a more exciting qualifying in any racing series than I have over the last two days in Indianapolis. The, The combination of the field being so close the speeds being so ridiculous, and and the, the drama on bump day was was second to none, both for the pole and for the final spot in the field. I've I've never seen anything like it. I was on the I, I was I'm a massive IndyCar fan. I've said that a lot over the past however many episodes that we've done of this now. Um, and, and yet, like in the past, I've never sat and watched through like every minute, every lap of qualifying on the on qualifying weekend because it goes on for quite a while. I could not, I was on the edge of my seat throughout, from like the first run on Saturday to the last run on Sunday. It was unbelievable. Um, just to try and briefly summarize. So we had practice in the run up. Mercifully, we had no crashes, but we'll get on to the first crash we had later on. Um, speeds were looking really, really fast, um, in excess of 234 miles an hour at points, average across four laps. Mental. And what's more, the field looks so, so close. Uh, from, from like, there, there were some cars that were struggling throughout, and we'll, we'll mention them as we go. But, but for the final few spots in on the field, which are crucial because one driver goes home because of bumping. Up to the first few spots around pole position, there was n- wafer thin margins throughout. It was fantastic. Um, started off on Saturday with uh, the starting positions being set from 13th back to 30th. Um, Rosenquist led uh, the day for McLaren heading into the fast uh, into into the fast twelve shootout. Meanwhile, the, uh, slowest drivers at the end of the field, which would end up having to fight for the last chance qualifier <laughs> would be three of the four Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan cars, Graham, Ray Hall, Jack Harvey, and Christian Lungard, and the second Dale coin car of Stingray Rob. Um, this was after it looked like it's, it's the storylines of qualifying. It's mental. Um, throughout the week it had looked like Callum Ilot was the favorite to be bumped because the his 77 Humkos car was a dog it was so slow wrecking loose all the time they could not get any speed into it right at the 11th hour as in Friday I believe it was they decided to change chassis and the first lap that the uh, Eilat was able to turn in that chassis was in a uh, warm-up for qualifying on Saturday morning Um. And he then just had to send it in the two runs he had during um, uh, during Saturday qualifying. And miraculously, he was able to find enough speed to avoid the last row. So all of a sudden, you had three Ray Halls and the coin car battling for the final spot. Just unprecedented. Um, Ray Hall really, really dropped the ball with their cars this year. Uh, Catherine Legge, the fourth, uh, the fourth Ray Hall car, which ironically was the only one that isn't full-time this year, was just able to avoid the last-row shootout. Otherwise, it would have been all four of them fighting for the final three spots in the field. So then we transition into Sunday. Um, we'll start off with uh, the, the the fight for pole position. Um, ultimately, it was uh, Alex Pelot who was able to get pole position with a record-setting pole run for the Indianapolis 500. Um, he ended up running... Da, 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 I've completely lost it now an average speed of 234.217 across the four laps um Renas VK was second and when you can when you convert the speed because it's all measured in speed when you convert it back to time across the four laps they were separated by uh, si- uh f- d- 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 I can't wait four out thousandths. Number. Four thousandths of a yeah. second. It's just unbelievably close. That works out too. Um, I did I have it written down here. Uh 41 centimeters after four laps, 10 miles of Indianapolis. 0. 0.0004 seconds. It's faster than the amount of time it takes a human being to blink. Uh that's sixteen point four nine inches. <laughs>
1: pretty close it's just utterly crazy um so long it's more than a foot it's not that close it it, it, it's 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 not that close stop it a a foot a whole foot
2: after after four laps at 234 miles an hour mental Uh, like it's just unbelievably close um So, yeah, you had that amount of margin. The top three were separated, were in the same tenth of a second. You had Felix Rosenquist qualify third um, after leading the um, previous day and the Fast 12 shootout earlier in the day. Santino Ferrucci, um, AJ Foyt, their team has not been very quick in the last few years, it's fair to say. They've, They've really struggled. Both of their cars got through to the Fast 12 pole position shootouts. Ferrucci qualified fourth and he very much looked like a fret for a pole position. He was second in the fast 12 shootout before the fast six. As much as I don't like the dude, it's so cool to see Ferrucci and Pedersen uh, and AJ Foyt up there mixing it with the big guys. Like Both Foyt cars outqualified all of the Penske's and all of the Andretti's. Amazing performance, and you've got to credit that to the, f- the fact that they, sa- they signed uh, Mick Cannon from, from Ganassi. Uh, Mike Cannon, I should say, uh, for, from Ganassi. You know, he's he's worked his magic with their uh, Indie 500 program over the last few years, and he's done it again with Foyt. So really, really cool to see that kind of giant killing performance from Foyt. Uh, so he, yeah, Ferrucci will lead the fir- uh, second row of the grid with uh, Pato Award and Scott Dixon just behind. Uh, Dixon unable to take a, what would have been a, a historic third consecutive pole position for the 500. Uh, seventh was Alexander Rossi ahead of Takuma Sato and Tony Kanan Kanaan uh, starting ninth for his final Indianapolis 500 with Marcus Ericsson, Benjamin Pedersen and Will Power rounding out to the top 12 that made it through to the second day of qualifying. Um, then we've got to move all the way back to the final row because uh, they had the pole shootout and then they had the, um, no, sorry, they, they, the uh, last row qualifying was before the pole shootout, but anyway. Um, As I said, it was three Ray Halls, Lungard, Harvey, and Graham Ray Hall battling with uh, uh, Stingray Rob for the final spot on the on the grid. Um, Lungard, Rob, um, yeah, Lungard and Rob were able to set times that were ultimately just out of reach. So they, they managed to lock themselves in, which put it between as the clock ticked down on the last chance qualifying session between Graham Ray Hall, who was above the cut line and Jack Harvey, who was below. Harvey's car looks significantly slower in their first runs. Um, they tried to, so, so the way this works, it, it's it's a similar thing. So they all get a guaranteed run. And then in the remaining time in the session, they can choose to pull their time and go again to try and improve or to bump their way back in if they're below the cut line. Um, Harvey had a second go um, after <coughs> interpreting the rules really cleverly. They used one of their goes to circulate really slowly around the tra- track to try and cool the engine down um ready for a third run or a second proper run the second proper one wasn't quick enough either it just fell short of ray hall's time at this point they had like five minutes left in the session so no time at all to cool the car nevertheless they will blow the cut line so they harvey and the team were like fuck it we'll we'll chuck some adjustments at it we'll put some more downforce on it and and we'll just go again you know the engine's not going to be cool but we got to we're going to do something there was no way that he should have been able to beat Graham Hall. and then he did. And <laughs> I, I've never seen. I, I, I've only been watching IndyCar for the, like te- for the last ten years or so, so I, I, I've, I've not been watching it as long as other people. I've never seen anything like that. Like that run defied physics. There's no way he should have been able to go quicker, and he and he did. He beat him by the same amount that it ultimately decided pole position. It it was the same like uh, four thousandths of a second, like one one thousandth or whatever it was. It's just, you had more excitement over the two days of Indianapolis qualifying. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, than there has been in the last few years of Formula One. And that's just to get into the race. Indianapolis is such a special thing. And, and, you know, wh- when you get this amount of drama and, and, and uh, like, just to get into the damn thing, it, uh, it's it's just unbelievable.
1: I might actually watch the whole thing this year.
2: You should, you should, <laughs> yeah, you should have watched
1: qualifying. <laughs> well. I know I but, should have, I know I should have. I had a, I had an endurance event this weekend, uh, with operation Motorsports. We, uh, came in second, by the way. In the Porsche nine one nine at uh, Sebring with the Porsche Club of America, they raised some money for us to keep uh, being able to go do all these race weekends and stuff. Congrats! So, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I think they raised like just over eight grand uh, wow. for the race, and this was a qualifier. This was a a four hour qualifier to get into uh. uh the, there's a race on August 27th. Mm. Be six hours at Lamar. Unfortunately, not gonna get to run that race because I will be at VIR mm. with core. So uh that's what I did all weekend. <laughs> I I turned on a couple of the races. Uh I didn't get to watch any of the heat races for the all star race, which I wanted to. Um yeah, so that's that's my excuse, really. <laughs> I didn't watch racing because I was doing sim racing. That's uh, yeah, it was for. Good I cause would I highly
2: recommend that. So yeah, firstly, I would highly recommend that you watch next week's race because it's going to be awesome. Um, Indianapolis always is. Um, but secondly, if you can't, I, I don't expect you to go back and watch the entire two days of qualifying. Uh, I'll let you off there, but go and see if you haven't already. Go and see the moment that Harvey bumped Ray Hall from the field because. Yeah, I definitely
1: want to check that oh, out. It's sure. just, I,
2: I, I've i I've got I've, goosebumps thinking about it. Like the call from Lee Diffie, the crowd cheering as he crossed the line to do it. Because Graham Rahal, they probably
1: had a camera on Graham.
2: Oh, he was sat in the car at yeah. the time. Because uh, the, the the way it works <laughs> is uh, once time runs out, no one can d- go up for another attempt. And you can't go out and improve your run without, without withdrawing your old time. So it made yeah. no sense for Rahal to go out unless he was beaten. And Harvey was the one who had all the work to do, and they went out so late that there was no time for Rahul to respond. So he was just sat in the car, and and then like it's his and his, it's his inter- teammate too. It was the fact that it was his teammate, and and it's Graham Rahul, You you know the, yeah. the guy is he's not the greatest. But, like, he's one of the bigger names in IndyCar. And, obviously, he's, yeah, he's from the Ray Hall family, racing yeah. for his dad's team. Incidentally, this this took place almost exactly, I think it might have been exactly, uh, 30 years after Bobby was, not, was bumped from the field in 1993. So, spooky, for a start. Um, but, like, his... I feel bad for it. Like I'm not the biggest Graham Ray Hall fan, but like any, any, any one of the drivers getting bumped from the field. It's, it's so heartbreaking because you see how much effort they put into the, the into this race, you know, that millions of dollars, thousands of laps, weeks and weeks of practice or a week. And well now, um, and, and, you know, for, for anyone to go home is really, really heartbreaking. But it's the fact that somebody, the fact that not everybody gets to race, the fact that there is this significant barrier to entry that How makes Indianapolis people... so much more prestigious and so much. How many people made an attempt? Uh, so there were 34 cars going for 33 positions. Uh, normally it's more. Like in the past, you've had like three or four people bumped um so yeah it's i think it's just even more heartbreaking that only one goes home and that's the thing i like about i like daytona where there are guaranteed people that are in the race and guaranteed people that have to race their way in indianapolis anyone can go and because you Mm -hmm. get because you get so many people come in just to race indy you know you've got the two dry reinbald cars you've got katherine leg in the fourth ray hall Kanan in the other mclaren um other people um you know the, the all those one shot entries um are just as likely to get into the race as the full-timers and if a full-timer goes home you know that's massive for their championship um so yeah so like ray, ray hall was understandably really emotional uh after the session um they always are whenever they get whenever they get bumped
1: it's it's hard to watch but i'd like, be throwing a helmet
2: yeah, I'd but, and, and to his bad. credit, again, I'm not a fan of Graham Rahul, but he handled it like a champ. Like, he was just like, yeah, we weren't quick enough. It's just how it is. You know, that's Indianapolis. That's what makes winning Indianapolis and even making the field for Indianapolis so special. The fact that there's that inherent risk that you put in all that effort and you go home. And and it's not the first time that a big name like that's been bumped. You know, like um, Fernando Alonso getting bumped by Hunkos in 2019. James Hinchcliffe missing the race. I think a year after he got pole position, you know it. It's it's such a tricky thing, Indianapolis, and for for a big team like Rahal, uh, like the whole team, not just Graham, um, to to mess up so massively and have the cars be so much slower than everybody else, you know, it's it's there's got to be questions being asked there, you know, they haven't been in the best spot over the last few years anyway, but. You know this is the same team that at barber yeah road course completely different from indianapolis um and the indianapolis no sorry indianapolis road course lungard was on pole so they they know how to do it but it just goes to show how fickle indianapolis can be that anyone can go there and have a nightmare and not make the field and yeah it's that it's that kind of drama this is just qualifying
1: (laughs) To be honest, it's a nightmare track.
2: Yeah, yeah, all the all the drivers <laughs> will mean, say say that.
1: It's 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 a nightmare to drive. The walls are too close. On paper, all the turns are the same, but when you drive it, they're, they're, they're not <laughs> not at all the same. Right? Even the short shoots are different from each yeah. other, and they're not supposed to be. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, and it's and it's like one of the only cars or one of the only uh, tracks rather that actually has four turns. Mm.
2: Yeah, four distinct you know? ones, not one that leads into another. And yeah, yeah. It, it's such such a difficult place and such a difficult race to just get into, but it makes it so
1: damn good. I love it. I do. I do like the start that they do at Indianapolis. Yeah, the three, the three wide. wide. Yeah. Three wide start. Can we get more of that in, in places?
2: No, it makes Indianapolis special. We don't need it anywhere else. <laughs> I'm a sucker for tradition. Um, yeah, just before we move on to uh, what happened earlier today, uh, a couple more shout outs from the grid from qualifying. Um, we, we mentioned Callum lot incredible performance from him and Hunkos to, to right the ship and get him into the race. I never would have thought, well, I, I was certain he was going to be the one that was bumped. So for them to turn around it the way they did, amazing. Um, Augustine Canapino as well, comfortably in the field, um, driving way beyond his experience level. Um, so that was really, really impressive. RC Ennison and Able Motorsports as well. They were the last minute entry, the 34th entry into the field. Relatively comfortable into the field in 29th. Really, really impressive from them. Um, Catherine Legg, as well, in the fourth Ray Hall car that was added to this, and the only one to get into the race on day one. Um, her qualifying effort makes her the fastest woman uh, to qualify in Indianapolis. Um, incidentally, this field is so the Indianapolis field as a whole is the fastest field ever in terms of like the speeds they ran to qualify for the race. The fastest last row ever. The fastest front row ever the fastest woman ever, Catherine leg and the fastest pole ever. Just all of these records have been broken and it's only qualifying.
1: <laughs> Weekend of the fastest, man. I, it...
2: The only thing missing is the outright fastest single lap. We haven't quite hit that yet. Uh, I don't think we will for another couple of years. Cause it's, they, I think it's still another couple of mile an hour faster than the 235 mile an hour lap we saw from Alex Palo at one point. But it's it's mad. The fact that we we've, we've got this many talking points from qualifying, I I keep I keep accentuating that. But it's just so cool. I I I've never never been that enthralled by a qualifying session in my life.
1: What are you going to do if this race ends up being boring?
2: It won't. But if it does, I don't <laughs> care because the qualifying was worth the price of admission. Like, but but yeah, the the,
1: the race. Like, it's just it's just a single car train. Start to finish, 200 laps, no anything, nothing happens, no overtakes. It won't be. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess by nature of the race, it can be.
2: It, 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 I mean, yeah, of course, like, there, there is a multiverse out there where that happens.
1: No, I'm saying it can't. Oh, it can't, by, sorry. No, no. Yeah, it, the, 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 just by nature of the way the track runs. Yeah, it, it just... Yeah, it won't be boring. No.
2: Yeah, I'm so looking forward to the race. Um, I mentioned before. We'll briefly mention this before we go to our break. Um, I mentioned before that we managed to go for all a practice without a crash. Um, So the uh, after qualifying on Sunday, the field went out on Monday for a uh, final, well, a penultimate practice session, Um, and sadly. That statistic came to an end as, um, Catherine Legg and Stefan Wilson were involved in a, a rather heavy crash in Indy 500 practice, uh, literally about three hours ago as of the time that we're recording this. Um, it looked like, um, several drivers, uh, so there was a big pack because they're all practicing for the race now. So they're all running in a, in a group. It looked like a couple of drivers checked up running through turn one and, um, Catherine just wasn't able to, to slow up fast enough to avoid Wilson. Uh, they both went hard into the outside wall um leg was able to get out of the car relatively quickly um was checked and released from the infield care center however the 44 car is quite heavily damaged um wilson however took a bit longer uh, to be extricated from the car he ended up being taken away on a stretcher he gave the thumbs up um indianapolis's medical director julia vizier or vizier i'm I, butchering the pronunciation, I apologize, uh, said that he was doing well and he's been talking and he's been transported to a local hospital for advanced imaging and further evaluation. At this point, I'm refreshing Twitter just to see if we've had any updates, which we have not. Um, Yeah, we're we're still waiting to see whether Stefan is going to be able to race um we're also waiting to see whether like the cars themselves like the 44 and and the the 24 cars whether they're going to be able to i i I think they're going to have to go to backup cars if they have them which is not ideal because the backup cars are never as quick as the primaries unless you're home coast um (laughs) so yeah a, a really unfortunate that we managed to get through so much of the so much of the event but without a crash and then we do at this point where the cars are really really badly damaged now um,
1: yeah, there's usually at least one crash during qualifying yeah. or, or practice leading up to it. Yeah, usually like once. last year we had her
2: Rolling. Um, a couple of years before we had several people going skyward. Um, speaking of going skyward, the one positive we can take from this crash is that the aerodynamic changes made to these cars to keep them from going up, like the wickers on the side pod and stuff like that, yeah. they kept Catherine, Catherine Lake's car from going over. So
1: It looked like it wanted to come up. It did. Yeah, I definitely. I think the front half of it made it off the ground.
2: But, yeah, but it uh, looks yeah, like watching, they worked really well in in bringing it back.
1: Watching uh, Marshall Pruitt's video,
2: yeah, because he was literally uh, there.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got some really good videos on on his YouTube channel uh, explaining the different options in on the Indy cars for the Indy car weekend or for Indianapolis. Uh, and talked about the the wickers on the side pods and things. They look weird. Mm. Well, they, they look do, weird they as hell. Just little little tiny fins on the side, mm. uh, but they work. But I guess they work. At- I guess they work. He's he's also got a another video I plan on watching later about uh, about the weight jacker mm. explaining that
2: and that's such a crucial thing for Indianapolis I- as well. I very much recommend watching it. I fucking love his videos. He's great. He's great,
1: Marshall. You're a great guy, and you men- love your website.
2: And you mentioned Marshall. He was literally at the next gap in the fence at the point of the crash, and he's oh, got was he? He, yeah. Check out his Twitter. We're, we're about to go to a break, so you, you, I'll show you the picture, but um, we'll repost it. He's got a picture of Catherine Leg's car coming at him. You can literally see him on the video in the crash taking the picture. He was that close, so he he Dang. was very lucky to avoid getting any kind of hit by debris or anything like that. So oh, I, all right. I pull
1: up Twitter and it's the first thing. There you go. <laughs> and then, uh, oh yeah. Into the apex tweeting at Marshall prude. Is this you? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's crazy. So yeah, he, he's very lucky, um, to, to be okay. And he got a great picture as well. He committed well to the that shot.
1: Is, that is a good shot.
2: So yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll keep refreshing Twitter in our second half to see if we get an update from Stefan Wilson. Um, but yeah, hopefully he's okay and able to race, uh, in the Indianapolis 500 on Sunday and hopefully, uh, Ray Hall and, um, Cusick Motorsports are able to repair those cars. We'll get the backups ready to race on Sunday as well. Um, that about does it for the first half. Uh, join us in the second half where we'll talk about the all-star race for NASCAR, uh, which spoiler alert, wasn't as good. Um, <laughs> Uh, We'll also talk uh, briefly about the Nordschleife 24 and a couple of other bits of news. So join us shortly after this.
1: With half the show gone, there's still half the show still still to go. go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast.
0: month of may approaches and the summer of racing will be kicking off in the biggest way possible a memorial day weekend into the apex is back on the road presented by ProCart concepts for our third pilgrimage to the 107th running of the indianapolis 500 join us the saturday before the 500 at daredevil brewery and speedway indiana for pictures of beer and indie talk we're there to bring the hype and feel of ims to the ita family around the world into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed presented by Spotify. Into the Apex after Dark. Only fans into the Apex, Infowars into the Apex. We're not too sure what it's called just yet, But we do know that it's edgy, it's provocative. It's everything we do here at the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. To subscribe, go to IntoTheApex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Network.
2: And welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. Uh, before we kick off our second half of the show, uh, our usual plug of social medias. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Into, that's the number two, The Paddock. Uh, to stay up to date with our when our latest episodes go live. We go live every Tuesday at, at 4 p.m. Eastern and 9 p.m. UK time. Um, you can also head over to IntoTheApex.com to check out our affiliated podcasts on the Into the Apex Podcast Network. You can subscribe to the Into the Apex YouTube channel to see video clips from our show and our sister shows. And also, if you're a fan of uh, what we do and what Into the Apex do, you can sign up for 99 cents a month for premium access to the Into the Apex Podcast Network to access exclusive content through Spotify and Anchor. Um so yeah, check all of that out at intotheapex.com. Um you can also follow us individually on our social media accounts we will uh plug them at the end of the show but before all that we have to talk about nascar and the all-star race um nascar's return to north wilkesboro after too many fucking years um (laughs) first off just cool that they're back like it's such a cool story of how the return to north wilkesboro came about you know through dale jr and uh, like and his group of people clearing it for iRacing to scan And then ultimately that leading to them bringing racing back and ultimately coming to NASCAR again. Um, Before we talk about the actual racing action as a whole, what did you think of the event? Because the the, the event itself and the surroundings and the fans, it looked really cool.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. It looked like a bad weekend to be a beer in Wilkes County, North Carolina. (laughs) Like,
2: (laughs) If that isn't the slogan for next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be a bad day of beer beer around here. Um it it looked like a blast. And and honestly, it was it was a nice uh change of pace from you know scenery that we've seen in previous NASCAR races this season with kind of declining, you know, fan attendance. Mm. Uh I really enjoyed seeing it. It was fucking just it looked so packed in that tiny little facility uh I, I wish i could have been there <laughs> i wish i could have been there it looked like uh looked like a good fucking party
2: yeah they, they pulled out all the stops for that uh, what i love was that there were reports that in earlier in the week in the lead up to the event uh, the race organizers were going around local farmland owners and asking them like begging them but can you please let us park some cars here because we're fucked like if, if that ain't a sign the you oh. hit the nail, like
1: <laughs> I, I, I was watching the the race on TV uh I mean this morning I was watching <laughs> and you know they got the helicopter shot or the blimp or whatever the fuck is flying around over the place and uh you could definitely tell like some people were parked just in the grass and some mm. pasture next to the track, right I mean the the parking was uh it, it looked pretty decent, you know. Compared to what it could have been, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a lot of fucking people. <laughs> yeah.
2: As you say, it was so, so nice to see a packed racetrack for an NASCAR event. Like even, even on, um, on Friday, like it was packed, like there, there, there weren't a seat free. It was really, really cool to see. So, you know, uh, the racing product aside, you know, I, I would take, a packed North Wilkesboro over an empty Texas motor speedway for the all-star race every day of the week. So yeah, no, no matter like before they'd even turned a lap, the event was a success from that point of view, because it brought fact oh, yeah. back to North Wilkesboro.
1: They were, they were making money on that race weeks before. For sure. Single well, the weeks before a single hauler hit the track. Yeah. they were making money. And, it, and I, I think a lot of it also has to do with the governor of North Carolina. Mm. Um, he is, is just injecting a lot of money into North Carolina's racetracks. And I think it kind of started with North Wilkesboro, North, North Wilkesboro. Um, so, you know, uh, North Carolina being where NASCAR lives, essentially, you know, I know they have a big headquarters down in, uh, Daytona, but if you want to work for a team in NASCAR, you move to North Carolina, mm. right? And so, uh, it's 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 good to see the government, you know, the state government, kind of stepping in and, and re, you know, putting putting money into these places so that the racing kind of stays there. I would hate to see, you know, an entire industry pick up and move out of a state. Hmm. So yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with their governor. A lot of it has to do with Dale. A lot of have it have us to do with I racing. You know. They played no small part in this either. So it, uh, yeah, like I said, it was refreshing to see, especially since watching the the Bristol race was depressing. Watching Bristol was depressing. What? Their
2: all-star race or the dirt race?
1: The dirt race. Yeah. The dirt race was depressed. Nobody in the stands. Mm. Right.
2: Yeah. And, and before we move on on from the money, it's worth pointing out that North wilkes being brought up to that standard to race again, cost over $20 million and 18, 18 million of that came from the American rescue plan, COVID stimulus package. So, uh, like 18 hmm. million of that was targeted at North Wilkesboro specifically. Yeah. Um, and the place looked immaculate. It looked, it looked really, really good what they've done to the place. So hopefully it, it, racing carries on there for a long, long time to come.
1: It was, it was really cool to see this old school backdrop with all the modernizations hmm. of like today's tracks put on, you know, the safer barrier going around, like it, it, uh, they, they didn't change a whole lot, but they definitely made it modern. It, it just, it was such a cool concept. Yeah. You know, and hopefully we can find, find other tracks around the United States. that could use a, you know, a stimulus like this.
2: Yeah. I'd like to see this race. Um, I I can imagine that this race will probably become a regular season race. If not, it will regularly host the all-star race at the very least. I think, I think the success of the amount of people that showed up, it's going to stay around, be it as an all-star race or a points paying race. Um, I don't think the cup racing product wasn't great there. Um, as we'll get onto later on, you know, there was no high line that, you know, it was very difficult to make positions. Kind of like it used to be, so I mean, it's not as if that's a surprise. It's not as if it's untraditional. Like it was always tough to pass at North Wilkesboro, and it was always about being on the low line. But you know, maybe if they're going to race him more often, they might look at because they're going to have to repave this place anyway because the old surface still isn't that great for for the long term. Um, so maybe they could be brave and and make some kind of modification or reprofiling of the track to to induce a second lane. Just don't put PJ one on it for fuck's sake um but yeah like all the all the other races that happened over the course of the weekend the truck race all of the car series races they were great so it's not really a Wilkesboro problem per se it's more of a cup problem not being that exciting of a race but yeah on the whole just yeah as, as we said before they even turned a wheel the event was a success just for the sheer spectacle of seeing all those people there um
1: Speaking of, speaking of spectacle, I know this isn't going to be, it's not for our, (laughs) (laughs) our audio audience, but this was going on in the stands during the race.
2: Is that people fighting?
1: Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. If
2: that doesn't scream NASCAR, I don't know what does.
1: Just dude with a shirt half off. Yeah. Fucking state troopers stepping in with their hats. I think that state trooper's a lady too, just getting in between these two big hosses.
2: Well, hopefully they got kicked out.
1: Um, well, yeah, mean, it says one of them on it his way to says, the, says the dude the in the white shirt is on his way to the jail. But, uh, yeah, that looked like what a fucking party, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad all the fans had a good time, but I hope they don't come back. Um, as I hope some of her fans don't come up, but we'll mention that briefly later. Um, The way the event worked was quite refreshing. Uh, It it was a lot less gimmicky than All-Star races in the past that have been complicated beyond comprehension to try and induce some kind of excitement. Kind of sounds like Formula One. Um, But what (laughs) they did in this sense is they had had two heat races for the drivers that had qualified for the All-Star prior. Um, The results of those races um, determined the grid on their side of the, um, on their side of the, uh, on their row. So um, you had the winner from the first heat race start on pole. You had the the winner from the second heat race start alongside him in second. Um, Then you had the open race as normal for the drivers who don't automatically qualify for the All-Star race. And the top two from that make it into the All-Star race. And then you had the traditional fan vote winner. And then for the actual race itself, it was just a 200 lap race with a break at halfway. (laughs) Refresh <laughs> refreshingly <laughs> uncomplicated, so I quite liked that. Um first heat race was won by Daniel Suarez, second race was won by Chris Busher. The interesting thing from these was that they were in quote unquote the wet. Um it had rained <laughs> prior and mercifully due to the new regulations in NASCAR this year and the being that North Wilkesboro is a short track the drivers were able to use the wet tires. Um, again, not whilst the track is actually raining, but when the surface is still damp and it's drying out, they can use the wet tires. Um, I think all the drivers agreed fairly quickly that it, they would have been fine on the on the, on the dry tires. Um, it, it wasn't actually that bad. Um, what was interesting, though, was, you know, the track was slippery enough due to the old surface, so the damp made it even even more slippery and the racing was quite good uh the racing was better in the in the um two heat races than it was in the actual all-star main event which is not great but whatever um yeah yeah you had suarez win the first one uh to get pole position Busher win the second one the second race was the more exciting one because we saw ty gibbs um oh sorry no i'm getting ahead of myself that was the open we'll talk about the open now <laughs> <laughs> too many races that's never a bad thing but whatever Um, you had the all-star open, as I mentioned, this was for the drivers who haven't qualified through the all-star race through being, uh, winners or past champions or whatever. Uh, Josh Berry won the all-star open after a battle with Ty Gibbs and Eric Almirola. Ty Gibbs looked like he was going to win the race, but then Michael McDowell, uh, was seeking a bit of payback. So, so there was an incident earlier in the race where Ty Gibbs got into the back of McDowell and kind of pushed him into a three-wide situation where Justin Haley was kind of coming down. Ultimately, I think it was more Justin Haley's fault. He came down not knowing there were cars underneath him, so i blame it more on Haley. Um, but the incident wrecked Haley and McDowell out of the race. Gibbs was able to carry on virtually unscathed. McDowell blamed it all on Gibbs and then came back out with a wrecked car just to fuck up Gibbs. Um, he, he managed to... Delay Gibbs enough for Berry to get back to the lead, but not enough for Gibbs to actually retire, um, which was a shame. Um, You know, I feel like if if you're going to go to all that effort, you need to do it right, but whatever. Um, Gibbs was able to rally back to finish second. And as I said earlier, the top two were the ones that advanced. So ultimately McDowell didn't really actually stop Tech Gibbs from making the All-Star race. So a bit of a failure from his part, but it was entertaining. Um, Yeah and then you had the usual debate of oh, should should we have drivers being allowed to interfere like that? And you know, I, I my general stance on it, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when it was Gragson versus Chastain. I don't like seeing drivers use their cars to deliberately wreck people or try to. I prefer to see them get out of the car and fight afterwards, so there's no chance anybody else gets collected or hurt, but
1: Yeah, just use your fucking fists. Yeah.
2: But then at the same time, if Michael McDowell got out of the car and tried to punch Ty Gibbs, it would be like he was trying to punch a child. So, you
1: know, I mean, one could argue that some kids just need an ass whoop. <laughs> I mean,
2: there's a quote.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, um, and Ty Gibbs the probably lie? does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he may, may or may not, but, I mean, I'll I'll hit a kid. <laughs> you know? Not like not like a baby. I'm not going to punch a baby. But if some 15-year-old wants to buck up, I might knock him down, you know? <laughs> I'll hit a kid just so nonchalantly. I'll hit, I'll, I'll hit, a, I'll kid. hit a kid. I mean, I don't even, I don't really have to think about it. <laughs> Look, I'm like barely bigger than kids' size.
2: I mean, that makes it better. I would shave beforehand just because the optics, you know, at least it would make make you look a little younger, so... Nah, nah. At this point, I don't think you
1: really care about the optics. (laughs) No, no, not really. I mean... (laughs) Look, it's not going to be for no reason. I'm not just going to walk up and punch a teenager. (laughs) But if you want to challenge me... I'll hit a kid. all (laughs) All that to say... He, he could have hit Ty and, and we would have been fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like Ty Gibbs. It would have been funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> just just that that quote's just really framed me one. So, um, yeah. But no, it was cool to see Josh Berry uh, win the Open. You know, um, his, his story continues to be really, really cool. You know, how he's relatively old to have gotten this shot at the big time, um, you know, having made his name in, in short track scene. And then, you know, winning the All Star Open at North Wilkesboro. It's, yes, yeah, it's just cool. It's just cool. Um, got a lot of time for Josh Berry, and he's doing a great oh. job substituting for Bowman. So,
1: how old is he? 33,
2: 34. Is he?
1: 1990. So, yeah, he's 33. Or yeah. he, he will be 33 uh, in October.
2: Yeah. So, so like, yeah, it's, it's cool that he's gotten this opportunity relatively or later in his career than is usually traditional. And as we said, a couple of weeks ago, if the rumors about him going to replace Kevin Harvick in the four are true, then that's just really cool. So, um, And Ty Gibbs is 20. Yeah, but he looks 12.
1: He looks, he like- looks 12, but he's old enough to, to catch these hands. He
2: looks like live action dash from the Incredibles. Like he he looks like a kid, like a tiny tiny kid. The only person that could fight Ty Gibbs and it wouldn't look like child abuse would be Tyler Reddick. Like cuz they are both similarly small. Like that that he, he's the only person or maybe Brexton Bush. Like <laughs> you know, that's the only that's the only pick on your own size kind of fight that would work there for Ty. So um
1: these hands are rated E for everybody. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> we need to move on before, um, local law enforcement starts <laughs> investigating you for some things. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So after all that, we then had, oh yeah, Noah Gregson won the, um, uh, the fan vote, something that he was surprised about. I can only assume that he won it because he got punched by Ross Chastain a couple
1: weeks ago. It's so. either the punch or the terrible haircut. It can't be the haircut, surely. That's better not be the haircut.
2: I, I love the fact that even he was surprised, and that there was a risk that he, <laughs> there was a risk he wasn't going to be able to race either because the fan vote is subjective to whether you have a car fit to actually make the race after the open. Mm-hmm. Um, he during his heat race turned in way too early for turn one and, and clouted the inside pit wall and, and took out himself and two other cars. Um, they were able, mercifully, the uh, Legacy Motor Club team were able to fix the car with enough tape uh where he was able to race in the in the all-star race itself um but yeah that was that was pretty amusing um so yeah then we had the all-star race itself um i forget uh, oh yeah suarez led the opening few laps from pole position he looked really quite comfortable there was a caution on uh, like after 20 laps or something like that for um who was it oh yeah it was um ormendinger that spun no yeah yeah, it was I For some reason, I thought that Ricky Stenhouse was still in the... Um... No, it wasn't. It was Stenhouse. I'm terrible at numbers. This is awful. It, it's the fact that it, it's... Kevin Harvick being the 29 has just completely thrown me this week. I've, I no longer trust any racing numbers. Um, so Ricky Stenhouse spun in the 47 and brought out a caution. You had a couple of cars try uh, decide to pit um, from relatively like the second half of the field uh, for, for tires. Kyle Larson was one of them. He also got a um, a penalty for speeding on pit road and therefore he had to um, start at the rear of the field. And then he drove through the field. And by drove through the field, I mean, like he, he it was like a video game and he turned the AI down to low. Like the tires yeah. made so much of a difference. He was able to hook the apron a lot better than everyone else. He drove right, yeah. w- right the way through the front to, to win or to lead at the second half stage. Um, everyone pitted for new tires under the second half, and then he kind of disappeared again. He ended up winning by about four seconds. He had a multiple second advantage for the rest of the race, which ran under green, which was somewhat surprising. And yeah, he just kind of made it look easy. Boring, you might say. Because, um, you know... Not only did he lead not only was there not much of a competition for the lead there just wasn't that much passing uh further back due to what we mentioned earlier about the track not really having that many grooves um yeah you, you saw parts of the right i know you haven't seen this m- much of the second half if at all but what what did you think of the cup cars on wilkesbo like what what did you think of the racing product
1: uh you know i it was all right it was all right i'm kind of with you on it but but honestly, uh, you know, the guys in the booth were, were kind of saying this par for the course at, uh, at North Wilkesboro. It's just kind of how it is, that, you know, so that they did plenty of races back in the day where there was just no cautions green all the way through grinding it away to the end. And so it might just be the track, you know, but I mean, you were saying before the show that the, the truck race was pretty good, huh?
2: Yeah, all the all the other support races during the week um, were better than the All Star race. That's for sure. But
1: those are that's usually the case.
2: though. It is, yes, yeah, so right. It, like it's, it's not, as I said it, it's earlier, it's a combination of of cars and track. I think it was no worse than a lot of other short tracks we've already had this season and last season with the next gen product. So I mean, I find hard. I find it hard. I, I can't, with conviction, say that it's a North Wilkesboro problem. Um. But maybe if Cup want to keep coming back to Wilkesboro, maybe they need to either fix their product or see if they can make the top lane a bit more usable. um,
1: Through they need a different short track package, maybe
2: that's the main thing. I think they could do with uh, it. Comes down to everything like we we always say with NASCAR's package, they need more power and less grip, Um, and then it would be good. Like when once you get once you got through like seventy laps of a tire stint. And everyone's tires started wearing off and everyone was slipping around, then it got really good. It's just it took 70 laps for that to happen. So yeah, I think they need they just need a lot more power and a lot less grip. And and then I think it would be a lot better.
1: But there was I don't there wasn't any grip here at North Wolksbury this week, though, you know. Uh I think comparatively, but they were all able to quite comfortably
2: run it. the bottom lane. So
1: they were saying that there was more grip at Bristol Dirt. <laughs> somebody was I couldn't remember who it was but I remember somebody mentioning that mm.
2: but then that's the you know that's the old surface and they're going to have to resurface that if they want the racing to continue so you know at that point if if the if the one good thing about the track is the lack of grip and then you repave it and it's got grip again you know I, I yeah I, I'm leaning more to it being a NASCAR problem than a North Wilkesboro problem so but that's not new um so yeah, you had Kyle Larson end up winning by about four seconds or so. Twenty three eleven were really, really good in this race. Uh, but, uh, Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick, uh, both did the same strategy as Kyle Larson and pitted early and worked their way up. And, uh, Bubba was, you know, he, he managed to keep it within four seconds of a dominant Kyle Larson. So yeah, Toyota really, really impressed here with twenty three eleven leading the way ahead of the Joe Gibbs cars. And uh, yeah, Bubba specifically drove a really, really good race. Um, yeah, really, really impressed with him. Um, we kind of spoke prior to this. We didn't really want to put too much attention on what happened after the race with his radio. But for those who don't know, some fans were able to—well, I say fans, degenerate pricks—is another way I would say it. Um, some fucking cunts.
1: Yeah, that works. And we'll see you next Tuesdays.
2: Yeah. Uh, that they, they were able to get into onto his scanner frequency and uh, radio, uh, get on the radio and say. Um, well, I, I don't want to repeat yeah, what they said. Yeah, no, we don't. Um, but yeah. not not good things, uh, naturally. Um, NAS- okay, which
1: is, long story short, those guys can go fuck themselves. Yeah. NASCAR is going to figure out what's wrong with the radios to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, you know, that's the it, it's that. It's
2: really good that fans have access to be able to key into those radio channels. And, of course, some people just have to completely ruin it by yeah. saying what, that kind of
1: shit. What, could be an assholes guys. I don't understand. Like it's, it's so much easier to not be a dickhead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to be a dick than it is to not. So
1: yeah. Don't be a lot of wasted energy on like dumb shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, that aside,
2: I, I it, it's sad that that has kind of taken away from the fact that Bubba had a really, really good race. It was really good to see him second. He's, he's been on a bit of a, a role. He's, he's building that momentum a lot earlier than he usually does in a season. You know, we usually see him come on a lot more towards like this, the, 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 the end of the first half of the season and into the playoffs, he really starts to hit stride, but he's doing it now. Last few races, have, last few races have been really good for him. Um, and yeah, um, I'm, Hoping that uh 2311 can um continue to challenge near the front. Hello, cat. (laughs) What (laughs) she's like, yeah, those fans were dicks. Stop being dicks. Listen to the cat.
1: Um, she's obsessed with me. I don't understand. (laughs) I love cats.
2: Um, yeah, Bubba Waller second, Tyler Reddick third, Chase Briscoe fourth, and Chase Elliott fifth. Um yeah, it was just kind of uneventful after the first 20 laps or so. So a bit of a shame, but as someone said on Twitter, and I don't remember who, it was still better than another all-star race at Texas. So I, I I don't want to complain too much because they were awful before. So yeah, on the, on the whole, really cool, really cool to see Wendell Fuchsburg back. And, um, yeah, I hope it stays in some capacity. Um, Larson kind of did the double as well because he won the truck series race. Um, And as I said, the truck series race was a bit better, but yeah, that's kind of all. It's still so weird
1: to me that they can just, they can go to the support series. Yeah. And, and, but I guess it's no different from, from what Daniel Morad's doing this season at IMSA.
2: Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I I mean,
1: he's racing the, he's, he's racing the GT four for, Michelin pilot and then hopping in in the GT three for weather tech. So I guess it's, I guess it's no different.
2: I I guess they're just a lot like with NASCAR, they're so much closer in terms of like the disciplines, whereas GT four is inherently a lot different kind of racing to GT three. Um, you know, it's better than it was like back when they were unregulated as to how many races they jumped into and when they could jump into, like that was ridiculous when you had Kyle Busch and, and the likes winning more races than any one of the normal regular series drivers. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad they've at least restricted it in that sense. But also I I kind of agree with the point of, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to move up, if you have aspirations of moving up to cup, what better way to prove that you deserve it than to race people in cup? Yeah. So, you yeah, know, and that, and, kinda, and, and that does make worth. those performances a bit better. Like you saw yeah. a couple of weeks ago when uh, Christian Eckes was able to beat um, uh, a couple of the Cup guys at Darlington. Um, you know that that made his achievement I, even better. So
1: I do enjoy it when that stuff happens. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just weird to me. It is weird. It is weird.
2: It, it would be like you know Fernando Alonso going and racing an F two or something like that.
1: But yeah, that could never happen. No. <laughs> That could never happen. Max Verstappen is not getting into an F2 car. No. Ever again. <laughs> well, he never did. Oh, he didn't, did no, he? No, he, he jumped straight from Euroform
2: uh F3 up. Still mad, that story. Um, I guess if you got the money. And the talent, you know, much as so I don't like I, the guy. I
1: mean, he can back it up. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, he's not only like the defending world champion of formula one is also like the third best sim racer in the mm. world right now yeah which is a crazy like thing to think stay about stay in
2: your <laughs> lane motherfucker like leave some corner of of motorsport for for other people
1: you fuck but nah, now you're really gonna cool. be champion be champion <laughs> win it all fuck everyone else
2: um yeah so moving on from north wilkesburg um we'll briefly mention this because i know neither of us really watched too much of, of the Nordschleife 24, but it happened. The, the Ring 24 happened over the last weekend. Um, it did. I wish I'd watched more of it than I ultimately ended up doing because every bit that I saw was fantastic. And everyone who I know who has watched most of the race has said it was great. Um, you know, we, we think multi-class racing is intense in IMSA, but then when you take GT3s, GT4s, and a freaking Dacia Logan, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> put them around the Nordschleifer for twenty four hours. That's
1: that little guy ass. was hauling ass.
2: I am so upset. I, I think it's fitting it, that we it start didn't, talking didn't about the finish. Them right? No, no. That not only did they didn't did they not finish after contact from one of the Porsches. Um, it looks like that car is dead. Dead. Um, it of the last one really heavily damaged, and they don't make that car anymore. So it looks like that car is dead. And that's it, so sad. Like,
1: oh, we thought we lost the last uh, Alpha Romeo in in Michelin Pilot, the black Alpha mm. thing. Uh, I think that's the last one. So if yeah. they fuck that thing up, it's it's gone forever.
2: Yeah, it's it's such a shame. I know, I know. Like the 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 whole weird entries that the Nordschleifer, like the Dacha Logan, like the Foxtail Manta. Um. You know, I, I know they're kind of cult classics, if you were, but, you know, it, it kind of embodies the spirit of the race. You know, it, it, it's what makes Nordschleife so unique amongst many other things that you get this kind of mix. I think there is an argument to be made about whether those cars should be in their race anymore, because the closing speeds between the GT3s and some of the lower classes was terrifying. Um, so I I think there is an argument to be made about whether that should continue in the long run or whether they need to slow down GT freeze even more than they already do for the launch lifer or whether they need to get rid of the lower classes. But again, that's kind of what makes it it.
1: Yeah. It's definitely just a, like a, an awesome one off event. Yeah. That just, yeah, just, it's, it's crazy to watch. Let's keep them in there. Speaking of terrifying, One thing I noticed during the race, I I guess I just didn't, I've never noticed. Not the first time I've watched, you know, the Nürburgring, but they use just regular ass gas pumps. Yeah, they do. And then they have a a minimum pit lane time or, you know, pit times because they can't guarantee flow rate across all the gas pumps, Mm. you know, so they just, they make sure and add like a minimum time to fueling stops. It's that's crazy to me that that's I mean, because if you look at NASCAR and an IMSA and yeah. all the racing series, we use like these complicated ass fueling rigs for safety, right? With like vents and all kinds of crazy ass shit. Guy comes in for a pit stop at the Nordschleife, dude hops on his hood with just a fucking pull a trigger gas yeah. pump.
2: I, I like it in a
1: way it, it, it's I,
2: unique, Uh, but you know, you, you, you got to wonder about the logistics of safety, but then if it wasn't safe, they wouldn't do it, I suppose.
1: You um, know, you're right. Uh, nobody caught fire. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember who I was talking to about it, but there's another track where they race 24 hours, but instead of, and there's no refueling in the pit lane. And so to refuel, when you come into refuel, you have to drive to the gas pump at the, like the track gas pump off the, pit lane and then fuel your car up and then drive it back to the track.
2: I think they do that a little bit in the Nordschleifer as well, or at least they did a couple of years ago. Um, I think it might be for the, for, because there's such a big grid, like there were, uh, let me scroll to the bottom of the entry list. Um, too many cars. <laughs> it, it doesn't actually have the positions anymore on the, on this thing, uh, but like uh, loads of cars. probably I think it's like over a hundred or something like that cars. Obviously, there's not enough space for all of them on pit road, so I think some of them do have to drive into the paddock to do it.
1: <laughs> that's ridiculous to me.
2: It's it's mad. It's really mad.
1: That's that's kind of crazy. But, the other thing. I mean, if, good, if it works, it's it's supposed to be an old school race. Yeah, yeah. So right, I, I like so, it. It's, yeah, yeah.
2: It's just weird. Um, the other thing that I still find a bit weird, and we'll talk about the results in a moment. Um, the whole recovery vehicle thing. Because uh, they cover this race with slow zones rather than safety cars because, you know, it's kind of impossible to do a safety car at this track properly because it's so fucking long. So whenever there's an incident, they will just put a slow zone out. And a slow zone at the Nordschleifer is still quite quick um, just because of, you know, how narrow the track is and how fast the track is at some points as well. So there were quite a lot of shots, particularly at night, of cars speeding really quickly past recovery trucks um that were much taller than the race cars and it's a jarring image and i I know the drivers themselves like i saw one of the drivers on twitter saying you know it's it's part of the race and you know the the recovery crews are well trained and strictly stick to one side of the track so you always know where they're going to be and how to pass them but i've got to feel like that's an accident waiting to happen you know, if a car has a mechanical failure whilst passing a recovery vehicle, then it doesn't matter if the recovery vehicle is sticking to one side of the track if an out-of-control car hits it. So, I don't know. I I, I don't watch too much of the Nordschleife 24, so I don't want it to come across as, oh, somebody who watch- doesn't watch this race comes along and thinks that they should change this, this, and this. But for me, it's just kind of a bit uncomfortable to see cars speeding past recovery vehicles like that.
1: I'll, I'll do you one even better. Mm-hmm. During, I guess it's not during a race, so it's not as unsafe. But I think it's Suzuka, maybe Fuji. Oh, it's Fuji. The circuit
2: their- Safari with the bus.
1: Yeah, Circuit Safari with the buses where tourists get on buses during a practice session, a live fucking practice session, and drive on the track while the cars are driving. Yeah. See. I feel like that's a
2: little bit better because the drivers all know it's going to happen. And, you know, I don't imagine they would do it in conditions that were unsafe. Like if it were raining or something like that, I've or seen if it were at night. but like, I feel like it's a little bit better in that situation because you know exactly where it's going to be and, and all of that. And it's quite easy to drive around something like that. Yeah. I guess it's, but, I,
1: I mean, it is, it is a little different, but, but I mean, it is weird. <laughs> like, it is,
2: just having shit on the track. I'd, I'd I fucking love to be on that bus though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Be a great $50. Well, spent, Fuck yeah. Man.
2: like I'd love to do that, but I wouldn't want to drive around it. And yeah, but, but onto the actual, the, the, the race itself. I, again, we won't, we won't talk too much about this because I know we didn't end up watching too much, but Frickadelli racing, uh, won in the Ferrari, the Ferrari 296 is first, uh, first win i think it is the first win. it's the first major 24 hour victory for the car but i'm sure they must have won some races elsewhere um Fricadelli racing of course um the team run by the um uh widow of sabine schmitz um and obviously the team sabine used to race for so quite emotional in that sense um obviously a couple of years after sabine passed away so Really, really cool for the team to get their first Nordschleifer of 24 win. Um, yeah, first win for the 296. Ferrari's first win at the N24. The first win for the Italian brand. First time a non-German team won the N24 since like 2001. When wow. um, Chrysler won it, I believe.
1: Hell yeah. So, oh,
2: <laughs> I guess they're somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah, just re- yeah really cool and it was a distance record uh they managed to run 100- 162 laps over the 24 hours um Woo. beating the previous distance of 159 um so that was cool and Frickadilly racing came back from um a bit of a uh, minor uh I'm, I'm struggling with what issue um in the fifth hour of the race they had a puncture um right at the end of the lap luckily and they they ended up. Uh, coming into the pits uh, basically immediately. And they only lost about a minute. They were able to replace the entire rear end during the standard time stop. And then, uh, yeah, they sent the car out after a few more little examinations and repairs. And they took the lead again around the halfway mark. And from then on, it was just about survival. And they ended up uh, holding off the BMWs uh,
1: to win. Um, The, uh, The top five all finished on the same lap.
2: Which after a twenty-four hour race at the Nordschleifer is That's not wild.
1: is is not something to sniff at. Like that is wild, absolutely. And I think uh, five minutes was the gap from first to fifth. Yeah, so twenty-six seconds from first to second. And I gotta say that uh, I think my favorite car on the grid was the Mercedes AMG Bilstein yellow thing mm. with their comic book style markings all over the car. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They, they look really, really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a good car, but, uh, it's impressive stats from the, from the top five there. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Just, yeah. For, for it to be that close after that, that amount of time on, on the
1: Nordschleife. Yeah. It's- and I think 88 cars finished the race.
2: Which again, it, uh, they were saying it was the attrition rate of the Nordschleifer wasn't yeah. really there. Like there, yeah, there were some cars that didn't finish. Yeah, 40, forty-three weren't classified. One hundred and thirty-one started. To answer my previous question, um, yeah. So yeah, that that's quite a decent attrition rate for the Nordschleifer. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was the N twenty-four. It's a race that I really need to pay more attention to. I absolutely love the Um and yeah, the bits that I I did tune in to see were really, really cool. And like, like every, like kind of as what we said about North wilkes the atmosphere around the track as well was amazing. Um, there was a really cool shot at the beginning of the race on the formation lap where the fans were allowed to come onto the track behind a cordon at one particular corner and the drivers were, they were able to like wave to the drivers and, and and get right up close. And then being Germany, they all didn't take the piss and went straight back behind the fence, ready for the start of the lap, the, the race. Uh, a few minutes later. So
1: <laughs> if Germans do anything good, it's follow directions. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I. It's a race I would love to go to. Mm, for it, sure. You know, and to see, to see, get to see the cars close. That's, that's what's really cool about going to these races. I, you know, I ended up, I end up watching them on TV after I go. Right. So like immediately when I get home from an IMSA race, I turned it on TV because I want to watch and see what happens during the race. But being there at the track next to the cars while they're running all that stuff, it's like, it's like being at the most badass car show you've ever been to. Yeah. Right. Like, but instead of just getting to look at the cars, sit in a parking lot, you get to watch them beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah. And I love that.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, that's yeah. At the end of the day, what more do you want? So yeah, that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, really, really good racing throughout the last weekend. Um, just before we end the show, I did mention we had two other bits of um, uh, news. We'll, we'll just do one line each on each of these, just because we've kind of not got much time. Um, returning to NASCAR quickly, uh, Project 91, the track house subsidiary that runs um, well-known racing drivers in uh, one-off NASCAR events every now and again. You may remember they had Kimi Räikkönen and Cota and Watkins Glen. They have mm-hmm. announced that for the Chicago street race, Shane Van Gisbergen will be racing the uh, three-time V8 supercars champion. Oh, boy. that that That's, basically, that's my line on it. Oh, boy. It, it, if there's any race that he will do well at, it's NASCAR's first street race. You know, th- none of the other drivers are going to be very good because it's going to be chaos. And he's kind of used to racing big, heavy cars with lots of power on the street. So that's
1: cool. I hope he gets a win. That would be dope.
2: I honestly think he could. I honestly think he could. Um and I would love to. I mean, to it's see it.
1: it's it's such a different discipline, you Is know. It though? Like, I mean I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're taking you're taking uh so the the V eight supercar, made to go on street circuits, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh the cup car, that's a car and a chassis that's made to go around in circles. No, but not the, the, and-
2: the, the next gen cup car was designed. Partially to well, be a lot better for road racing.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so, so they, they model I mean, a lot of the road
2: course racing attributes off of supercars. So I think it's, it's closer than we may think. I, th- I think it's the closest discipline outside of NASCAR to NASCAR.
1: So the supercars, I'll agree with that. So I agree with yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I think he, he, of all the people they could get in to do this, Unless they put in Scott McLaughlin, who's from cut from the same cloth, you know, I think I think he's got the best chance to do well. And it'd be so cool if he managed to win. That'd be wicked. Uh, so so yeah, at least I have something to look forward to about the Chicago Street Race weekend now. Um, and the final little bit of news we'll, we'll, we'll briefly mention: uh, we had news after Laguna Seca that Acura and Wayne Taylor Racing and Andretti are going to be expanding to a second IMSA GTP car uh, from next year. So they're going to be a two-car team. Um, not unsurprising due to how well-received the GTPs have been since their inception at the start of the year. Cool, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, just more cars in that grid. Please, please give us more. We have enough P2s. We have enough GTs. Let's get more GTPs. Let's make it. Uh, how cool it be to see like twenty, twenty, and twenty?
2: Oh, that would be that would be perfect. I think that would be a really, really good split to have 20, 20 and twenty. That'd be
1: fantastic. Yeah. And they and they would it'd fill that expensive. grid. Expensive. They could. Yeah. They they would to be expensive. But how many, how many <laughs> have we got now?
2: We've got nine, but, <clears throat> nine or ten.
1: Let's see. We've got.
2: Wayne Taylor Acura, you got three caddies, three caddies.
1: Two, you got three Porsches, I think.
2: Three port, you got the Jota Porsche as well. Um, you got uh, the two BMWs. Um, you're gonna have Ferrari next year. I think there's gonna be two Ferraris. Um, now another, you you could, yeah, you could. You're, we're already like approaching 15 or 16 with just the ones that I'm remembering at this point. Um. So, yeah, I, I reckon relatively easy. Oh, Lamborghini are coming soon as well. You could easily get to 20 GTPs. And you easily. And there are more than um, enough LMP2s and GTs to do that as well. So, yeah, that, that would be a really easy cool if we could get it to 20, 20, and 20. 20,
1: 20, and 20, or 30,
2: 30, and 30? Oh, I think that might be a bit too big for some of the tracks on the schedule.
1: You would think that, but I have heard of... Well, I mean, it's not the same thing. The cars are a little smaller. Um, but I, I've heard that, that for like, is it WRL? I don't remember who, what series, but they put like 80 something cars on road Atlanta.
2: (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking like the likes of Laguna Seca, you know, it might be a bit tougher to fit all of those people on that pit lane or, um, you know. Unless could, we could unless be. we start filling them up with regular ass pumps like they do at the launch line, <laughs> but,
1: but the, so yeah, I think you're right because where it's where it's going to be a problem is uh, so the the GTPs require a longer pit stall than the other cars because of uh, safety for the hybrid system, right? Hmm. And so like like a Daytona, they had to shorten the grid to like sixty one. Or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, by whatever one car, yeah, to a company by one that, car that because <clears throat> all the GTPs needed longer pits, and in order to make that happen, they had to make everybody else's pit lanes smaller. Hmm. Right? Which ended up cutting one off at the end. And it was just it it was tight. It was real packed. And then I hear it's gonna be even worse at uh Indianapolis
2: but then of course you know we 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 already have imsa you know race not all classes at various rounds so if we just did that more then you could chop and change like or have gtp be the one that goes to most of them except for places like lime rock where it would just be hilarious um and, <laughs> and yeah just chop and change with whether you have p2 and and gt's or if the track requires you to have less than 60 um, yeah I, I i could very much see that happening with the way that sports car racing is exploding at the moment so hopefully that happens on that note on that on a positive note for a change usually we end on a negative note um <laughs> so that, that's refreshing uh, it's time for us to end the show um as we mentioned uh, earlier on make sure you're following us at into that's the number two the paddock on twitter and instagram to stay up to date when our latest episodes go live also head over to into to check out all of our sister podcasts on the into the apex podcast network Um, You can check us out on our individual social media accounts. I'm at jgroves1996 on Twitter and Instagram. Greg, you are?
1: Uh, You can find me at Racing on pretty much everything.
2: There you go. That's it for this week. Join us next week for Motorsport Christmas as we talk about the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indianapolis 500, the Coca-Cola 600, and anything else that happens during the week. We're going to be hard-pushed to fit everything in, as we usually are. And that is what she said. (laughs) But on that note, join us next time on the Into the Paddock podcast. Until next time, goodbye.
1: Thank you for listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.